0: It is so great to be with you here today and uh, I'm really excited about this new year and we're continuing our series of messages called More Connection and I really have the sense in my heart that in order for 2018 to be the best year ever, we need more connection. And today I'd like to share really three particular connections that I believe that it's really important that we possess in our lives. And so I want to get right into that today. The first one is this, a connection to, and this, this might surprise you if you're taking notes, uh, from the, the insert in your bulletin or whether you're on the Uversion Live app. Uh, but this one is, this one might surprise you that the pastor, uh, mentioned this in church today, but here it is. Okay. In order to have the best year ever, we need to have more connection to the lost. Okay? Are you with me? More connection to the lost. Now, as a kid when I grew up, and and we to say that we grew up in the church d- does not really give you a description of my growing up, okay? We we Listen, three times a week is the joke, okay? If, if we would have went to church three times a week, I'd have had to take three days off, okay? We were in church every day. We, I mean, our lives were wrapped up in the church. My friends were all young people from the church. The girls that I dated were all from the church. Do you know how hard that is? Uh, there's some that's some serious difficulty right there as a young man and I had very high horizons. I had broad horizons I, I mean I was looking everywhere but I that was the people that we that I dated that was that was where my girlfriends came from we our lives were literally just filled with the church activities and we were we were really told that that we needed to to be separate in fact that scripture and I'll read it for you from 2 Corinthians 6:17 where Where Paul says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. We took that very literally. At least it was communicated to me very literally that you were to have nothing to do with the world or anyone in it. Okay, People laugh at me when when I tell them that I've never been to a school dance. They they think that's humorous, okay? But that was what the church communicated. Uh, if you asked me, you know, who was going to hell in my church, I'd have told you it was the guys that snuck out of Sunday school and went to see Chuck Norris in the movie The Octagon during Sunday school. Those were the guys who were going to hell. All right and if they they see this message and they know who they are, okay? You go ahead, my number's 906-250-1662. You call me, we'll pray and you'll be all right, okay? I'm just I'm just saying. Kind of got to go back No, Oh, no, Jesus forgives we know. But the Bible clearly does tell us that this world is not our eternal home. Do you ever have people that knock on your door and say, wouldn't you like to live in paradise forever? They're, they're talking about this earth. Now, this earth is good. It's got some great things in it, okay? But listen, it's so cold this morning. I did, I'm did. i a preacher. I didn't want to come to church, okay? It's that cold. This is not paradise. It's good. It's just not paradise, all right? And 70 is not paradise either, Okay? I love the the meme that I've seen that said you know something about the cold and it says but hey on the upside I haven't seen a mosquito in a month okay you know there this world is not perfect okay this world is not our home in fact the it, it literally the the system of this world is absolutely evil and corrupt the system of this world first John chapter 5 and verse 19 tells us that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. And yet, and those things are all true, and yet Jesus said this, that his father so loved the world. That corrupt evil system. Those who are lost and dying and going to hell. Jesus said, my father loved them so much that he sent me his only son that whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, Luke chapter 19, in the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke, he gives us a really interesting account that I want to share with you this morning. And Jesus is coming from Jerusalem, I believe, but he's, he's coming into the city of Jericho. Now, just to give you a little bit of of, uh, of just geography here. When we think of Jericho, when I think of Jericho from the Old Testament, I don't think about Jerusalem in the New Testament. But Jericho in the Old Testament is where the children of Israel come into the promised land. They walk around the city seven times and God literally flattens the walls. They go in and capture the city. Do you remember that story from Sunday school when you were a child? I was in Sunday school. I was not at Chuck Norris in the Octagon, okay? I did not skip that date but but the city of jericho was only 18 miles from jerusalem now i don't know how many of you walk 18 miles in a day but that is considered a day's walk okay you can walk 15 20 miles in a day If you're used to walking, okay. You just probably shouldn't try that if you're not used to doing it. But it was about 18 miles and it's, and Jericho is northeast from Jerusalem. And as Jesus is coming into the city, he's just outside the city. The first thing that he encounters is a blind man. Now this blind guy is begging. And I want you to get the flavor of this. This uh, this last October um, at my silent prayer retreat, one of the things that our our uh, silent retreat leader did was encourage us to get our, our minds into the scenes of things that Jesus did. And so this week I spent time thinking about this scene. And, and literally there is a crowd of people that are following Jesus on the road and they are coming to the city of Jericho, there is a commotion that's happening, and this blind guy is there begging, and he hears the commotion that's coming. And he hears individual voices speaking, and he is able to pick up and to discern that this guy named Jesus is coming into town. Now you say, what's significant about Jesus coming into town that day? Well, for this guy, I'll tell you what the significance is, and that is that until Jesus, no one had healed the blind. So if I'm a blind guy, and I hear Jesus is coming by, I'm getting pretty excited. I I mean, I don't think that's a stretch. So the crowd is coming and I imagine that Jesus is kind of in the middle of the crowd. I don't think he's he's necessarily at the front of the crowd because if, if I wanted to be close to Jesus and he's at the front, I'm going to get around front so I can be close to Jesus. I think he was in the center of the crowd and I think the crowd was kind of raucous and kind of loud and there's a few debates going on, but there's some excitement and this blind guy hears that Jesus is coming. And now he needs to make his presence known. He needs to let Jesus know that he's there. And so he begins to yell. He begins to yell and call for Jesus. And so finally, after they couldn't shut him up, Jesus, his attention is drawn to the man and he goes over to the man and he heals this guy in front of the crowd. He heals him of his blindness now what do you think that's going to do to that crowd that's following do you think they're going to get a little more excited i think they are going to be going nuts okay the scripture, and, and they, they knew the Old Testament, they knew that the healing of the blind would be reserved for the Messiah. These people believe that this is the guy, this is the guy, and the, the Pharisees are there, and there's arguments, and there's a lot of just incredible ruckus that's going on as they're leading into the city of Jericho. So they get in through the gates, they're into the city, and the crowd is big, the crowd is excited. This blind guy is with them. Now, if I was blind and Jesus healed me as he walked by and I joined the crowd, okay, I'm not going to be silent. Right? I'm going to be really excited. I'm going to be jumping up and down. I am going to be telling people, hey, did you know that I was blind? I've never been able to see and Jesus touched me. That's what's happening in this crowd. And it's just filling the main street as it comes into the city of Jericho. And it causes such a commotion that people come out of their homes, they come out of their shops, they come out of wherever they are in order to see what's happening in the street. There's so much commotion. In our culture, when two or three sirens go by, what do we do? We kind of stick our heads out and see if we can see what's going by. They're already past us, but we're like, hey, you know, we don't, we don't want to miss something. Well, that's what was happening that day in Jericho. Jericho. And the Bible says that there was a man that was there that day that wanted to get a good look at Jesus. And his name was Zacchaeus. Now, if I asked you to give me one trait about this man named Zacchaeus, could you do that? You're laughing. He was wealthy. I'm just asking if you know anything about Zacchaeus. All right, I'll be honest. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was a man of average height. It says he was short. I think he was 5'2". Because to me, 5'2 is incredibly short. Because I'm average size. The doctor told Isaac that he's 5'4 and a quarter He's taller than me, and I swear I was five, four and a half. Something's wrong. Zacchaeus was a short guy. He wanted to be able to see Jesus. He And the Bible tells us that he was a wealthy tax collector. Now, I have to let you in on what this means. I know I talk about this. I don't know if you really get this or not. But what that means is that Zacchaeus, who is a Jew, excuse me, is working for the Romans. The Romans are not stupid. The Romans did not know enough about the Jews, so they hired a Jew who lived among them, who knew them, who would collect taxes on their behalf. And the Romans would set an amount, but the tax collector knew that if he was going to make any money, he had to do what to their taxes? He had to raise them. He is a traitor, he is stealing from the Jews. He is a Jew, he's stealing from the Jews, and he's working for the Romans, okay? This guy was considered the lowest of the low, but he wanted to look at Jesus, and because he was less than average height, he decided that the best way to do it was to run ahead of the crowd and to find a vantage point from which he could see Jesus come by. As the Bible tells us, and as the song goes, that you remember when you were a child, uh, he climbed up in what kind of a tree? A sycamore or a sycamore fig tree. And so this guy climbs up into this tree so that he can get a good vantage point as Jesus walks by and the crowd begins to come and, and all the excitement and everybody is coming and he's in the right spot and he's like, I'm going to get a great look at this guy. And then something weird happens. He starts to get a feeling. Okay? Have you ever got a feeling that someone that you were watching that you didn't know, you figured it out eventually, they're actually watching you? Have you ever had that? I have had that happen once. And I, I, I actually, Ray, I was with you when it happened. And I we're sitting there and I said, that guy, that guy's we, we were all, I mean, this person was somebody that was in the room that we were, you know, we were observing this person, and all of a sudden I realized, that I think that guy's looking at me. And then I realized, I think he's coming toward me. And and he came right, it was a weird feeling. All Zacchaeus is up in the tree. All of a sudden, he has this weird feeling that it's just not him that's observing Jesus, but Jesus is checking him out. And he's looking at him, and the crowd, instead of going by, stops right where Zacchaeus is. And this is where it really gets freaky for Zacchaeus. Jesus looks up at him, and he calls him by name. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you come down, he says to him. Because today I need, I must go to your house. Literally, look at chapter 19, verse 5. Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now there there's so much that's that's wrong with this sentence. Okay? I mean it. That socially there is so much wrong with the statement, okay? The first one is that Jesus said I must, okay? I must. He is not asking, you know, may I. We were we were taught that we say may I all right, we use words like please. Jesus doesn't say, Zacchaeus, may I please come to your house? What does he say? I must come to your house. In fact, he doesn't even say that. He said, I must stay at your house. He is inviting himself, without any option for refusal, he is inviting himself to Zacchaeus's house. This is one of what I call Jesus' I must moments. And I want to ask you a question. You see, I think that we've been guilty of something. The question is this Have we insulated ourselves from the lost world around us so that we're unable to discern the I must moments that the Holy Spirit desires to lead us into? I must. That's what Jesus said when he he was going through Samaria. See, he didn't have to go. They always went around Samaria. Jesus said, "I." and this is the King James, I needs must go through Samaria. I love the way the King James says it. He said, I have to go through Samaria. Why? Because there's going to be a woman at a well, and I need to see her. I must. I must. Jesus was frequently accused of being too buddy-buddy with the down-and-out-and-low-lifes and creepers in Jewish society, the tax collectors and the sinners, to the point where they wanted to hang around with Jesus and they wanted to listen to what he had to say, and I believe that if we're going to have the best year ever in our own lives, in our community, and here at Silver Creek Church, that we must have more connection to the lost. It's easy to structure our lives in a way. And, and I think what we do, and, and this is, you know, I, I I realize I don't work where you work, okay? I don't, I don't work at the prison, I don't work at the university, I don't work at the hospital, I don't work at Best Buy, okay, I don't, I don't work there. But, but maybe there's the work world and, and that is what it is and, and there's nothing we can do about it and then we have, you know, the church, the church world. And we, we separate those two. Or maybe we do everything we can to, to not have any contact with anything you know that's, that's in the world. But I want you to know that if we're going to really have a successful year, if this is going to be the best year ever, we have to have more connection to the lost. Secondly, I think what we need is more connection to the body of Christ. Now, I grew up on the south side of Janesville, Wisconsin. It sounds rougher than it actually was, but my closest friends in my neighborhood were David and Raymond Schmitz, and uh, their dad still lives uh, in that house in that neighborhood um, on Shaler Street on the south side of Janesville. I've driven by it in, in a, a few years ago and actually uh, saw their dad and. Um, we, in the summertime, I've told you this before, but we used to do something that was fun for boys, and that is when it would rain in the summertime, we would go out in the yards with flashlights, and we would uh, catch night crawlers. okay? Now this, I don't care, I don't care who you are or where you live, this is fun, okay? It may sound gross to you, but as a boy, there is nothing better Okay, And if you don't let your kids out at flat with flashlights at night when it's raining, there is something seriously wrong with you because you are depriving your children of fun. Okay, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, we used, we used to do that. And so, so my brother, probably my brother Dan and, and David and Raymond, we used to go out and we would do that. And we'd get our, you know, our cool whip containers and, you know, butter dishes and stuff like that. And we would collect night crawlers. And we had this bright idea. We, had, we did so well one night, we thought we could sell these, right? We could sell these, and if you've ever seen nightcrawlers after two days in a container with no actual bedding, you can't sell any of it, okay? It's nasty, but, but we, we thought we're gonna sell these, okay? So we kinda got this little partnership going, and, and um, but the, like the next day, we had a falling out. Something, I don't even remember what it was. It probably was playing baseball because that's what we did all the time and you argue over a call and everybody gets mad. But, but the, we, I, we had a falling out and somebody said, I want my night crawlers back. I don't remember who said it, but I just remember going to the garage and we separated out those nasty night crawlers because we didn't have any money, so we didn't have like bedding for them and, and expensive stuff like that. It's just night crawlers in a bucket. And so we, we separated them out. And I remember as a kid, I probably was not any more than 10 years old. And I remember saying to them, That's fine. I don't need you anyway. I did. I said it. It's summertime. I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> I don't know how many days it was, but I, I decided in my heart I needed to go back to them and I said, I was wrong. I do need you. I remember understanding as a kid that I needed them. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read 12, 21, and 25 here, but I want you to get this. Just as a body... The one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Get this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I was quoting Paul and I didn't even know it. Can't say it. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. You see, we don't want to believe that we need other people. See, we live in the UP. We're tough. I'm just being honest, guys. I'm just I've lived other places. I we we there's a different mentality in the UP. There's two seasons, wood cutting and wood burning, you know? <laughs> You just, you, you cannot successfully survive in that atmosphere without a different mindset, okay? Uh, w- you know, we've been hearing about other places getting snow. Did you see the report this week that Marquette was judged the snowiest city in the U.S.? And we're like, how is this possible? How is this even po-? They're saying we got 150 inches, and you're like, really? I, I, I didn't think we had that much snow, okay? Well, that's that's just how we are, Okay? It's really not that big of a deal, right? Are you with me? It's a different mindset. We, wanna, we don't want to have to depend on other people. Hey, you need help with this. You better get, no, I don't want to bother anybody. Come on, are you with me? Do you get what I'm saying here? We don't want to think that we need other people. I can do it by myself. There was a smart old country preacher, and one of the guys in his church hadn't been coming for a while. So he decides he's going to swing over. You know, it's in the evening. Going to swing over and say hi to him. He pulls into the driveway, and he hears something going out the back, and he sees a bonfire there, and the guy from the church is just sitting by the bonfire, and so the preacher comes up and pulls up a chair next to the fire, and they sit there in total silence. Beautiful, big, burning bonfire. They sit there so long without saying a word that the the fire really burns down and now it's just beautiful embers. Just beautiful, big, burning, red-hot embers. And the preacher gets an idea. And he takes a stick. Matt, you know the stick that I'm talking about. It's the stick that you keep by the fire to, to move everything around. And he takes that stick and he slides it about a foot away from the rest of the coals. And he just sits back down. And over the course of the next few minutes, that one ember begins to grow darker and darker and darker and darker. While the rest of the coals are still just as brilliantly hot as they were before. A few minutes later, without a word from the preacher, the man says to the pastor, I'll see you on Sunday. You see, he got it. We need each other in the body of Christ. The Barner Research Group, George Barna, he says this. This is awesome. It's a little lengthy, but really work with me here, okay? Okay. One of the greatest self-perception changes over the past decade is how Americans see themselves in relation to others. For all the technological advances in the past decade, the desire for human connectedness remains. Ten years ago, slightly over one out of ten Americans self-identified as lonely. Today that number has doubled, a paradoxical reality in the full swing of the social media age. But while loneliness among Americans has risen, the desire to find one's place among a few good friends has likewise increased from 31% a decade ago to 37% today. So why do we need each other? Number one is survival. In the body of Christ, we need each other for survival. That coal that died out off to the side of the fire, that's a picture of what happens to us when we become disconnected from the body of Christ. But number two, and this is what I want to really stress, is for greater effectiveness and impact in our community today. We need each other. Not just to stay alive, but to become a, a more effective, to achieve more. I love Ecclesiastes 4. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I'm going to let you read the, le- the rest of it there. But basically what it is saying, and, and it's like mom and dad used to say, two heads are better than one. But I want you to understand that what we're saying here, because he he winds up saying a quarter of three strands is not equally uh, is not easily broken. It's kind of a mathematical phrase that one plus one equals two, and two is better than one. But I want you to understand about the church is that one plus one is not two. One plus one is far more than that. You see, there's a synergy that takes place in the church. And synergy is that interaction of elements that when combined produces a total effect that's greater than the sum of the individual elements' contributions. We need, in order for this to be the best year ever, we need more connection to the body of Christ. More support, more encouragement, more strength, but to be more effective together. And I believe that we desperately need that. Number three, we need more connection to our purpose. The end of Luke nineteen, they're the end of the story about Zacchaeus. I'm going to jump right to this, but Luke chapter nineteen and verse ten, after he wraps up the story on Zacchaeus, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the purpose for which Jesus came to the earth and it's the purpose that he calls you and I to and there is no exemption each of us are called the bible is filled with examples of it luke 16:15 go into all the world he said and preach the gospel to all creation what does that mean it means that there is no person that God does not love so much that he does not desire them to come into the kingdom of God. That literally God desires every man, every woman, every child from every part of the world to come into the kingdom and he is called you and I as his church, and he's given us the purpose to follow Jesus and to seek and to save that which was lost. And in order for that to happen, you and I must have a greater connection to God's purpose for our lives. It has to happen. He says, compel them. Luke 14, 23. Then the master told his servants, Go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be full. That is Jesus speaking to us. Compel them. So what happens when God puts us in one of those I must moments? I must go to your house today. I must go through Samaria. I must talk to my neighbor. I must talk to this person. I just want to show you a two-minute testimony from someone from this church about one of those I must moments. She told me she was going to sneak out when we showed that, but she didn't do it. In order for this to be the the best year ever for our lives, for our community, for our church. We need a greater connection to the lost. We need more connection to the body of Christ. And we need a deeper connection to the purpose that God has given us. And I believe that there are great things in store for this church this year. I am so excited about what God has for us. But there's, we have a part to play in that. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm excited. I want us to celebrate. But I want us to say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for that commitment to the lost. I'm ready for that commitment to connect with the rest of the body in a better way. And I'm ready to be commit, connected in a, in a deeper way to the purpose that you've given me. Would you stand with me all over this place? I want to close us with a word of prayer. I'm kind of changing how I was uh, gonna gonna end our service, but I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for that for that connectedness. You may you may feel like you know what, Kevin. I'll be honest. I I'm not feeling connected to the body of Christ. I believe that God desires to birth that connectedness in you. I believe that He does. Jesus said, I will build my church. He wants to build that connectedness into us. He wants to build those relational connections in the body of Christ that we might be able to encourage one another, that we might be able to lift one another up, but not to the neglect of the lost. And I believe that he wants to connect us to purpose so that we can take the strengthening that we get from being connected to the body and relay it to the lost. I believe that God wants to do great things. So let me pray for you today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for this, this body of believers here at Silver Creek. I pray, Lord, for, for all that are gathered here today. I pray that we will have the sense in our hearts today that you are calling us to something greater than ourselves. I pray that we will understand that, that we need a, a connection to the lost of our community. The, the people that, that work behind the counter where we pump our gas. The people that work at the grocery store that we go to. Our neighbors. The person that works on our car. Father, we need to connect with those who are apart from God and draw them into the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you will help us to reach out in being connected with one another as part of the body of Christ, that we might be strengthened, that we might be encouraged, O oh God. And I pray today for a connection to the purpose that Jesus has given to us to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the example of Jesus in Scripture today. And I pray that 2018 will be the best year ever for our families, our personal lives, our community, and for our churches. Father, we receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen.